And so today what I want to do is continue, but rather than focusing on one specific passage of scripture in the book of Acts with you this morning, I want to look at the general theme that we see in the book of Acts, and it's the theme of revival. Uh, in the historical accounts of the, the New Testament, it, it actually covers 60 years, approximately 60 years of the New Testament. And uh, half of that 60 years, or half of what is covered there, is the ministry of Jesus, and the other half shows us the, the growth of the early church, which, uh, which starts in the book of Acts. It is not too difficult to find authentic revival within the covers of this beautiful book, the Bible. For 400 years, the Old Testament saints had been waiting for this coming Messiah. When we end the Old Testament and you flip that page over into the New Testament, that signifies 400 years. And and the people of Israel, God's people, had been waiting, desperate, crying out to God for this coming Messiah who we know to be Jesus. And so first comes onto the scene as John the Baptist. And then we get Jesus who bursts onto the scene and he declares that the kingdom of God is at hand. That the kingdom of God is now and it's, it's here. We get a taste of, 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 of the saving grace of Jesus. And uh, at last, God's manifest, dynamic, observable, and powerful kingdom has now come and become a reality for us. The kingdom rule was now available and accessible and was suddenly invading the world of men. You see, what we call revival was simply the multifaceted inbreaking of God's kingdom. I hope that today as we gather around this theme of revival that we see in the early church, that maybe what God will do in your heart is change the the perception that you have when you hear that word revival. Sometimes when we hear revival, we think it's going to be weird, wacky, and explosive. And sometimes that is how the Spirit moves, but more often than not, it's an outward um, explosion of God's grace into a community so that more and more people can come to know Jesus. And what happens is that this theme of revival runs through the book of Acts and it brings a sense of God's presence. It convicts people of sins, it it brings awesome acts of power, and it sweeps multitudes into this new vibrant faith, which we call Christianity. And after Jesus' ministry, the early church carried this breathtaking ministry out into the world. The gospel was preached, signs and wonders were exhibited, Conversions were realized and the Christian church began to fill the landscape. And this is the stuff that revival was made of. The entire historical record is really an account of authentic revival because if we look at the scriptures, it's, it's, it's um, unquestionably biblical that the word of God doesn't just come in and manifests itself here when we gather or manifest in our own hearts, but that actually that's the starting point from which it then bursts forth into a community so that we can see the gospel advance in Durban as it is in heaven. And what we have is this new age of the spirit that uh, is prophesied in the Old Testament And then it comes and is personified in the person of Jesus. And so all throughout the Old Testament, you see these little tastes or these signs that are pointing to this coming Messiah. Telling us, hey, this person's going to come, he's going to rule and reign, he's going to set you free. And then we see that realized in the person of Jesus as we turn into the New Testament. And then the Spirit falls on those early disciples in in the book of Acts, as you have learned over the last couple months. And it thrusts them into this 
blaze that, that take, that's this trailblaze that sweeps a community and beyond with revival as the Spirit of God manifests itself out in a community and beyond. And so this morning, as we continue in our series in the book of Acts, my hope is that what we will see is a taste of what God can do in our community now today. That actually revival and an outbreaking of his spirit in our community is not necessarily something that is only reserved for biblical times, but that we can trust God to pour out his spirit upon you and me, and that we can see an outbreaking of the spirit in our community and beyond. Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. And then seven weeks after Easter on the day of Pentecost... The Holy Spirit was poured out on the believers and uh, Jesus' promise that the church would be born is now realized. I don't know if you know this, but I think, I think I'm right in saying that Pentecost is actually next Sunday or the following. It's the following Sunday. The Apostle Peter preaches a, a great sermon and 3,000 people are saved. Just imagine that. Imagine 3,000 people getting saved in Durban like this. What will that do to our schools? The shopping center, the car park where the moms gather to pick up their children. What will that do to Durban and beyond if 3,000 people were to get saved like this? But what we see in the book of Acts is this is just the beginning. All throughout the book of Acts, we see phenomenal growth in the Christian church. In Acts 2.47, it says the Lord blessed their number daily, those who were being saved. By chapter 4, the church has now exploded to to 5,000 people. It goes from 12 men in an upper room, it goes to 5,000 people a few chapters later. And all throughout the book of Acts, growth in the church is common. In chapter 5, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. In chapter 6, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Chapter 9, the church throughout Judea, Samaria, Judea, Galilee, and Samaria was strengthened and it grew in number. Chapter 11, the Lord's hand was on them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Again in chapter 11, and he was a good man, full of the spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Chapter 14, there were there they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. In chapter 16, so the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in number. In chapter 14, they preached the gospel in the city and won a large number of disciples. In chapter 17, as a result, many of them believed. See, in the book of Acts, if if that was, if the book of Acts was a song, then the, the chorus or the refrain of that song would be the Lord kept adding to their number. Now, don't get me wrong, numbers are not the key to success. Definitely not. We can have extraordinary numbers gathering in a building. We can have a great media event with glitzy entertainment. But what we see in the book of Acts is that this growth was not just in number. What we see is this growth was changed lives. People getting saved, people maturing in their faith, people knowing Jesus and then making him known. That's your vision statement here at Harbor City Church, that you would know Jesus and then you would go and make him known so that other people may know Jesus and make him known, so that other people may know Jesus and make him known. And we can see revival break out in Durban and beyond, a model that is given to us in the book of Acts. 
See, wouldn't it be great if that, if someone was, if a journalist was here, present with us, and, and he or she was writing the story of Harbor City Church, the, the story for the end half of 2019 going into 2020, and the theme of this church was the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Revival in our time. More and more people coming to know the saving grace of Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to give my life to. The book of Acts, Paul demonstrates for us this moment of personal renewal, which then leads to corporate renewal. And so what do I mean by that? I mean that that revival always starts with us first. That me and you are renewed by the Spirit, so this personal renewal, which then flows from us out into the community so that our community can be renewed with the saving grace of Jesus. You see, all throughout history, personal revival always precedes corporate revival. Okay, So if what we want, if you, if you can just imagine in your mind's eye, if what we want is the Spirit of God, a move of the Spirit to break out from Harbor City Church, out into our community and beyond, then it actually starts with us. It starts with you and me having, having an encounter with the person of Jesus, being filled and transformed by his spirit so that we are personally renewed so that we can see renewal break out in our community and beyond. Personal revival always precedes corporate revival. And that is what we're after. If, if I had to give my life to, some, to something, what I really don't want to give my life to is a, a nice, pleasant bunch of people who have cappuccinos and a nice sing-song and then, a, and then a self-help talk and then go home and live out the rest of my week. What I want to give my life to is a people on mission being renewed and transformed by the Spirit of Jesus so that the Spirit of Jesus can break forth out of our community, out of this community, into the greater Durban area to see more and more people come to know Jesus. Amen. My prayer is that every single person at Harbor City Church would have personal, would have a personal revival of Jesus and His Holy Spirit in your hearts, and then we would see a move of the Spirit break forth into your community and beyond. Duncan Campbell is a hero of mine. God used this man to pioneer a revival that happened in the Hebrides. He says this, it is one thing to shout it, it is one thing to sing it, it is one thing to talk about revival, but give me a people on their faces. Seeking to be rightly related to God. And when that happens, we will soon know the impact of God realization in our country. Are we going to be a people on our faces? A people on our knees? Seeking to be rightly related to God? Not trying to win this place with, with our clever ideas and strategic plans, but are we going to posture ourselves on our knees before the creator of the universe and say, Spirit of God, come fill me, transform me, make me new, a revival in my own heart. So we can see a move of the spirits in Durban and beyond. And so, here's a question. What is Revival. Duncan Campbell says that it is a supernatural illumination of the Holy Spirit. Personal revival is a supernatural illumination of the Holy Spirit. It's when you and me become aware of the Spirit of God and His power and His work in my soul. He then goes on to say that corporate revival is a moving of God in the community and suddenly that community becomes God conscious. You see, it's becoming aware of God. 
Revival is when we as believers wake up to the Spirit of God and allow that Spirit to transform us. And so as the church, what we are to do is if, you know, if we want revival, what do we do? What, what do we have to do on our part? Well, we have to pursue God and His presence. We are to pursue God and His presence. It seems like throughout history that we as a people find it easier, though, to pursue almost anything else. We pursue our careers, our dreams, relationships, holidays, hobbies, and retirements. And as the church, I'm not talking about this one, I'm talking about the church globally, the church, we find it easier to pursue programs, events, famous pastors, teachers, and worship leaders rather than God himself. At least this is what I see in the global church. And when we look at culture at large and the problems that we are facing, I think that it is, I don't think that it is programs and models and events and books that are going to fix the problems that we see out in the world. It doesn't take lots to, or a lot of effort, should I say, to turn our eyes out into our community and see that things are messed up. That this world is messed up. Not just South Africa, the world. There, there are problems everywhere. What I see in the world around us is deep despair and deep brokenness. We see that morality continues to decay. Anxiety is at an all-time high in, in human history. Depression is at, a, at a, is at an all-time high. Suicide is the second leading cause of death amongst individuals between the age of 10 and 34. 30 million slaves worldwide. 30 million slaves. More than any other time in all of human history. One in four children grow up in a home without a father. And there are so many statistics around what it means to grow up in a home without a father. 70% of people in prison grew up in a home without a father. 90% of all runaways grew up in a home without a father. And the list goes on and on. But the problem is, is that the church is obsessed with doing it culture's way. We are obsessed with fame and celebrities. We replicate our churches or business models and strategies rather than the scripture and the spirit. Therapeutic consumerism has gripped our age, are buying stuff to make me feel better. And as a church globally, we think that the solutions to these problems that we face out in the world is more gatherings, more events, more programs, more self-help books, and to plant more churches that focus on getting people into a building with smoke machines and fog lights and... This is the modern form of church planting in the United States. I was chatting to our friend Tom Logue, you know him. Uh, They've just planted a church out in um, Temecula. And we were chatting around their strategy and how they plant churches. And he was sharing some of the other church plants in the community. He said this, that the modern form of church planting in the United States is to raise over $200,000, launch a gathering service where you can get more than 200 people with a stage, fog machines, uh, clever Instagram posts, and a new website. But the problem with that model is that what we are doing is we are just transferring Christians from one place to another and we're not reaching the lost, which is the mandate put on the church. We are not equipping the church to be the church. Okay, Duncan Campbell says this, It is my own deep conviction that the average man is not going to be impressed by our publicity, our posters and our programs, But let there be a demonstration of the supernatural in the realm of religion, and at once a man is arrested. The only thing that is going to set us apart is the presence of God. 
The only thing that is going to draw people in that is at least going to last or be a solution to this world's problems is the presence of God in our midst. Friends, you are the solution to this world's problems. You with the Spirit of God inside of you. Because the world desperately deserves and needs more than that strategy that I just told you about. And so, you might be sitting here thinking, what does this have to do with the Holy Spirit, God's empowering presence, and revival, and especially the book of Acts? Everything. You see, I believe that the world needs to be set on fire for God. If we're going to see morality increase and all of those lists of problems I spoke about, if we're going to see a a renewing uh, God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven, then we need to see a, a world that is set on fire, that is set ablaze with the love of Jesus. If we look at our nation and the problems that we are facing, I don't think it's a clever strategy or a specific person in power. I think it's a nation that is set on fire with the love of Jesus that is going to solve our problems. I believe that the church is the one to pioneer that fire being birthed out in our community and beyond. And I want to say this, that a church cannot light a fire unless she herself is on fire. So it's up to you and me. It's, it's up to you and me to be set ablaze with the love of Jesus so that we can go and spread that love out in our community and beyond. We need revival. We need awakening. And we need more of God in our community. And we as a church are to expect more from God in our community. Cole Barth says that we need to expect more from God and act to receive this. We are to apply ourselves with all of our strength to expect more from God. If I went around this room and I said to you, do you think revival, 3,000 people getting saved from one man's message, do you think that would be a good thing for Durban? I doubt anybody would say no. I'm pretty sure that everyone in this room right now would say, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Okay? Do we expect that to happen? You see, it's one thing to want it. It's another thing to expect it. Duncan Campbell again says, I'm afraid many of us have our expectations fainter than our desires. We, we want something. We want the Spirit of God to break forth in our community and beyond. We want to see many people come to know Jesus and love Him and have intimate relationship with Him. We want that for ourselves. Do we expect it? He says we pray for strength, we pray for holiness, we pray for revival, and nothing seems to happen. Why? For the simple reason that we do not expect it to happen. The Apostle Paul was obsessed with the presence of God obsessed. He prayed that everyone would be filled with the presence of God in Ephesians. In Colossians, he prayed that we would be filled with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says, we, his body, us, the gathered church, that we have been filled with the fullness of Christ. But he also goes on to pray that we will be filled in Ephesians chapter 3, and then he encourages us to continue to be filled in Ephesians chapter 5. We are to be filled with the presence of God. Does being filled with God's spirit, being renewed and transformed by his love and grace and mercy that is showered upon us and then made manifest in our souls by his spirit. Is that something that excites you? Because it should. When the Bible speaks of being filled with the Holy Spirit, it says that one is consumed, taken over, impregnated, saturated with God's presence and power. Because to be filled with the Holy Spirit leaves no room to be filled with anything else. And the presence of God is essential for the children of God. 
The Holy Spirit empowers us to have true identity. The Holy Spirit empowers us to have an accurate view of God. The Holy Spirit empowers intimacy with God as our Father. The Holy Spirit liberates us from the burden of sin and slavery that, and empowers us to live free lives. The Holy Spirit uh, sets us free to be who we were created to be, which is sons and daughters of Jesus. You see, the presence of God in our churches is crucial. The presence of God in your life is crucial. And the presence of God is like oxygen in the church. But what we do, like traditionally, is we get like, like we just, um, we, we take a breath. We just like, if the spirit of God is like oxygen, we just like kind of, and, and then we hold our breath. We just want a little bit of oxygen. Hey, not too much. We want to just keep it orderly in here. Let's make sure that we stay in control. But what happens if we hold our breath for too long? You die. Being filled with the Spirit of God is essential for life in the kingdom. But we pursue the things of this world. We find it so easy to settle. Being filled with the fullness of God is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. But we would rather be filled with mammon and wealth than God himself. We get distracted. We take our eyes off the prize. The greatest thing that we can give this world, friends... If we want to see revival break out, if we want to see a move of God in our community, the greatest thing that me and you can give this world is not our clever ideas or our strategies or it's actually our own transformed life. It's me and you being renewed by the Spirit. We see that in the book of Acts. Men and women, look at Paul, for example. He was Saul. He gets renewed. He gets transformed by the Spirit of God and then God uses him, a transformed man, to change the course of human history. Because a transformed life, friends, is contagious. When our marriages are really compelling, when our parenting is really compelling, when the way that we handle our finances or behave at work and, and deal with other people in business, when the way that we seem to be never like kind of stressed out, even though things may seem like they are in chaos around us, what will happen is people will start to take notice of us and they will say, hey, tell me about this. I think that we need to live such ridiculously compelling lives that Durban stops and takes notice of us. They stop and they take notice of us and then they worship Jesus. Let's contend for renewal in our community by living lives that speak so loudly and display so passionately the presence of God. Friends, we are born again by the Spirit of God. We are transformed into new creations by the Spirit of God, adopted as sons and daughters of God by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God pours out His love upon you and me by His Spirit. How many of you want that? How many of you want the Spirit of God to, to completely wash over you, cover you, saturate, consume, overwhelm you to the point where you can't help being transformed into the image of Jesus, that when people see you, they see him. They stop, they take notice, and they worship Jesus. And so what does it mean? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Here's a little taster. Being filled with the Holy Spirit produces these things. Creative gifts, leadership gifts, wisdom, prophetic utterances, revelation of God's purposes, praise, boldness, faith, 
power to perform signs and wonders. That's pretty cool. Grace, uh, personal healing, joy, joy. It produces joy. Who wants to be joyful? Me. I want to be joyful. The Spirit of God in you produces a joy, a peace that surpasses understanding. Darren Roundson, you ready to listen to a long quote? He says this. The coming of the Spirit may be associated with external, observable, tangible phenomenon like the sounds of the mighty winds and the shaking of rooms. Filling with the Spirit is repeatable, occurring three times with for Peter, at least twice with Paul, and at least twice with the Pentecost Christians in Acts. A person filled with the Spirit is clearly distinguishable from one who is not. The Spirit life does not exclude one from suffering. On the contrary, it may invite one to persecution. Yet, it also produces grace to forgive someone's persecutors. Being filled with the Spirit may lead to noticeable public ministry as it did with Paul and Peter, but it also may not, as it did with the majority of the Christians who were filled at Pentecost. This is my favorite. Being filled with the Spirit is always associated with a greater revelation from, praise to, proclamation of life lived for Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon then says this. Ask God to make you all that the Spirit of God can make you. Friends, we're supposed to posture ourselves on our knees saying, Spirit of God, come. Make me who God created me to be. You have unique gifts. I often say this, that you were specifically planned, uniquely gifted, and strategically placed in this church by the creator of the universe so that the plans and purposes of God can come to pass in Durban as it is in heaven. That your role in this church is not only wanted, but it is desperately, desperately needed if we're going to see a move of the Spirit here and beyond. And Spurgeon says, ask the Spirit of God to make you all that God created you to be. But he says this, not only as a satisfied believer who is drunk for himself, but as a useful believer who overflows the neighborhood with blessing. Friends, a church on fire with the presence of God has two things in common. Holiness and revival. What we start to see is the Spirit of God awakening us and drawing us into a state of personal holiness when we pursue and live out our lives in the ways of Jesus, that we know Jesus, and then revival to go and make him known. You know, your vision statement is one of revival, that you would know Jesus personally, intimately, that you would pursue personal holiness, and that you would then be empowered by the Spirit of God to go and make him known. What we become as the church is that we are marked now by the character and presence of God. But what happens is that we also turn outwards and we see the power of God demonstrated in our community. Do you want that? Do you want to see a move of the Spirit in Durban and beyond? Do you want that? We need to be empowered by the Spirit of God to see a move of the Spirit break forth. To see lives changed. At least that's what I want to give my life to. In the Welsh revival of 1904, 
I, I, I just want to give you a taste of what can happen. I'm going to, I'm going to read this account. It's from the Pursuits of Holiness. And the, the, basically, in, in Wales, there was a revival that broke out. And I just want to read a little bit of what actually took place during that revival. And as I'm reading this, this is a taste of what could happen in Durban if we were to posture ourselves before Jesus. Okay, so hear this out. Imagine this is happening in Durban. In 1904, the Great Welsh Revival was marked by a passion for purity. Holiness was the consistent theme as 100,000 new converts rejected their sinful life, confessed Jesus, and joined the church. Imagine that in Durban. Check this out. But this change in their lives had a profound impact on culture. It was reported that pit ponies, these are the ponies who worked on the mines, as, yeah, they could no longer work because they couldn't recognize the commands of their converted miners who no longer swore, cursed, and beat the ponies. Friends, the horses stopped working. (laughs) The standard of living went up, health and literacy improved, and money that was previously wasted on alcohol was invested in the home, clothing, food, and books. Pubs closed as abstaining from alcohol became the new norm. Magistrates and lawyers were left with fewer cases to trial as crimes diminished. Old debts were all paid. The streets were peaceful. Cardiff Jail was left with no inmates. And on New Year's Eve week, there was not one single arrest for drunkenness. Here's my favorite line. The police were employed to do nothing. Imagine revival in Durban. Imagining a supernatural illumination of the Holy Spirit amongst us as people that filters out into our community to the point where the horses stop working because people no longer swear at them and the police are employed to do nothing. Imagine what that would be like here in Durban and beyond. Nothing but revival. And so I end with this. This is my hope for Harbour City Church as I've been praying for you is that we would see a fire started in your church, a fire and a hunger for more of God himself in your own personal life. That you would get excited to go spend time with Jesus. That you would posture yourself on your faces. That you would that you would cry out to the Spirit of God to make you all that he has planned and purposed for you to be. That you would have intimacy and love and joy in the presence of your Father. And that we would see this flow out into the community and beyond. And so I've got four hopes for Harbor City. The first is that you would personally be filled with the Holy Spirit and that you would expand and that the presence of God in your own personal life would increase. The second thing that I would love to see is that as church, you would continue to confess your dependence upon God. Less of us, more of him. That we are nothing without him. Let's be a church that is des- let's be a church that is dependent on the presence of God. Because a church that is filled with the Spirit is unmistakable. The third thing is that my hope is that you would continue to pursue personal holiness. Because holiness and revival go hand in hand. Confessing our sins, repenting, and pursuing holiness. You see, friends, we can't make revival happen. We can't. It's a move of the Spirit's. But what we can do is we can organize our lives in such a way around the things of God and then trust an outpouring of the Spirit to come.
And the fourth thing, what I hope for, is that God would pour out his gifts upon Harbor City Church in a remarkable way. It's about all of us operating in our gifts. Not just Grant and Michelle and Brent and Kim and other leaders. It's about each and every person being filled with the Spirit of God and you being the church operating in the spiritual gifts that God wants to pour out and bring forth in your life. Things like prophecy, healing, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, signs and wonders, tongues, administration, leadership. That the gifts of the Spirit would be evident in this church and that you would operate in your spiritual gifts each and every single day. Here on a Sunday, but also out in the workplace, out in the world, Monday to Saturday. A young lawyer, his name is Charles Finney, He's the outstanding evangelist of the 19th century. He's sitting in, in, in his office at work. He's, he's a lawyer at this point, And he talks about his experience that he has with God by the Holy Spirit that then catapults him into ministry. And as he sat at his office desk, the Holy Spirit just supernaturally descends upon him. And I quote, he says this, As waves and waves of liquid love, no words can express the wonderful love that shed, that shed abroad my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love. I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. I don't know what that experience was that Charles Finney had, but when I read that, I want that. And so I ask you, do you? Do you want to have this unutterable gushings of, of love that are just poured out upon your heart? that you start to confess Jesus. Let's pray.